Detus, after the two years, somehow just went like, okay, the demons are gone now, and Jesus is Victor. Like, she's quoted as saying, <laughs> Jesus is Victor. Just a casual so, glass and nails throw up, and it's like, yo, Jesus is king. That's like Victor with a lowercase v. This wasn't like some sort of conspiracy theory that she was trying to spin to be like, Jesus' real name was Victor. I'm Jenna. And I'm Khadija. Welcome to the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. We've created this space for fans of the horror noir film genre that crave nuanced representation and commentary. From the perspectives of Black women, Black storytellers, and Black horror fans who geek out and freak out <laughs> over anything that gets us gooped and spooked. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. Check our episode description for content and trigger warnings if your head or your heart requires that information. Following up on last week's episode about the black exploitation film Abby, we're taking a look at some real life examples of exorcisms and possessions. There really is no better example of someone overstaying their welcome, you know, than a possession. It's like, come on, demons. Can't you take a hint? You don't pay rent here. (laughs) Well, that's why you got to get the help of a priest or some other holy person to come in and grab that demon by the scruff of their neck and show them where the gates of hell are over there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, demons. Oh, could you imagine? (laughs) All right. Let's talk about exorcisms. The Catholic Encyclopedia defines exorcism as the act of driving out or warding off demons or evil spirits from persons, places, or things. (laughs) It's the noun. (laughs) (laughs) Which are believed to be possessed or infested by them or are liable to become victims or instruments of their malice. In short, It is a ritual performed by a Catholic priest to expel the devil from a person, place, or thing. So, you know, something I didn't realize, Jenna, is that, like, there are different types of exorcisms, at least according to the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that, like, a baptism is in itself is an exorcism. Okay. So a baptismal exorcism is a blessing of an infant prior to baptism to cleanse it of evil resulting from original sin. Ah, that makes sense. Even though you just came out, you're brand new to the world, you still need a clean slate, according to the Your dirty soul, your dirty soul. Dirty soul. (laughs) (laughs) So then we have what would be referred to as a simple exorcism a blessing of a place or a thing to rid it of evil influence. So I guess even like... Oh, so simple. Yeah, that's like, very simple. I feel like, you know, spiritual cleansings of a space, you know, the type of thing that we do on a regular basis in itself is an exorcism. Yeah, I could see Which I wouldn't have really considered it as an exorcism, but by the very definition of cleansing. Yeah, like incense or sage or anything like that. Like, get them out my room. Salt. And then you have real exorcism, proper, proper exorcism, <laughs> where you are performing the right of exorcism to rid a human being of a diabolical possession. Oh, so you pop your collar, father. 
<laughs> you, <laughs> since I can remember, I'm popping my collar, popping, popping my collar, expelling these hoes. my collar, demons out the door, pop my collar. Okay, let's hope the Vatican doesn't come for us, or maybe we'll start a record label, I don't know. But let's talk about some examples of supposed exorcisms in real life, because there's been tons throughout the ages. So we're going to start with 1778, because the devil, the devil's old. Evil spirits are old. The devil is an old <laughs> motherfucker. So. He's an old motherfucker. <laughs> He's been around. Yeah, you know, He's just, been around, just chilling. Biden his time. <laughs> to get the souls. So... In 1778, English tailor George Lukens was behaving oddly, speaking in strange voices, making inhuman noises, and singing hymns backwards. That's super hard. It sounds hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Benedict Cumberbatch doing like uh, whatever in Lord of the Rings, and he had to do everything like backwards or in Icelandic backwards. So I can understand. That sounds like, hard as shit. That'd be hard as fuck. So. In a ceremony held in Bristol's Temple Church, seven priests commanded the demons who apparently taken over Lucan's soul to leave once and for all. When the ceremony was over, Lucan's recited the Lord's Prayer and thanked the priests. This was one of the few recorded exorcisms with a happy ending. That's good to hear. Yeah, because I assume they don't end too well a lot of the times. Uh, yeah, I don't imagine that all of them end well. I mean, uh, yeah, I have heard instances of exorcisms that, well, we'll get to some in this exorcisms episode that, gone wild. that don't end very well. A <laughs> hundred years later, or almost a hundred years later in 1842, German villagers noticed strange goings-on at the home of a 28-year-old woman named Gottlieben Dietus. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, Lord. Dietus claimed that her house was haunted and soon after began slipping in and out of what people around her described as trance-like states. Mm -hmm. But it was only when a religious pastor performed an exorcism that things went truly nuts. Dietus became violent, requiring physical restraints. And for two whole torturous years, during which the pastor performed various exorcism rites, Dita's vomited glass, Ooh. nails, okay. and blood, of All course. Right. I mean, like, if you're vomiting glass and nails, then there's going to be some blood coming up with that. Vomiting on broken glass. Like, somehow this is one that ended well because Dita's, after the two years, somehow just went like, okay, the demons are gone now, and... Jesus is Victor. Like she's quoted as saying, <laughs> Jesus is Victor. Just a casual so, glass and nails throw up. And it's like, yo, Jesus is king. That's like Victor with a lowercase V. This wasn't like some sort of conspiracy theory that she was trying to spin to be like, Jesus's real name was Victor. Everyone's got it wrong. Okay. <laughs> Kaiser's so sad. <laughs> the yeah. demons told me so. <laughs> okay. So now... We're getting into the, the 19s, everybody. So in 1906, a 16-year-old from South Africa, Clara Sele, and we think this is how it's pronounced. And if anybody has a different pronunciation or knows exactly what it is, just like tell us and we'll totally take that in. 
She was heard making a pact with the devil and soon began behaving erratically, tearing at her clothes, growling, speaking in tongues, and demonstrating superhuman strength. And in 1906 and 1907, two priests performed exorcisms on Clara, during which her skin burned when touched by holy water, and her body levitated before 170 witnesses. But after a noxious smell was observed leaving her body, Clara was deemed free of evil. Okay, listen. I'm not saying I don't believe this one, uh-huh. especially because there was like supposedly 170 witnesses there. Yeah. But it sounds to me like little Clara just had a little bit of gas <laughs> and her belly was griping her. And she just needed to drink a hot cup of tea. <laughs> she just had bubble guts and needed to take a solid shit. That's all it was. Yo, because they're talking about this noxious smell. Come on now. Because like... Pass gas. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> so about 40 years later, a 13-year-old boy, the record of the case, his name was changed to Roland Doe to protect his privacy. Oh. This young boy was mourning the loss of a beloved aunt when he began seeing and hearing strange things. As the possession supposedly worsened, Roland began demonstrating violent superhuman strength. His parents took him to St. Louis in 1949 for a weeks-long exorcism, now known as the St. Louis Exorcism. And this is actually the story that the film The Exorcist is based on. Oh! Yeah, according to like the records of The Exorcism, Roland screamed, cursed, and attacked his exorcists until a miracle, according to the exorcists, finally led Roland out of his trance-like state. And the boy simply stated, he's gone. (laughs) It's like in the sixth sense. I'm feeling so much better now. And you're like, oh. (laughs) Oh, I was like, I could see that because like Reagan, Roland, and like, I don't know why, but like, I'm not saying that men don't get like really pushed to the forefront in horror. But, like, the heroine is usually, like, even if you think about, like, R.L. Stein books and stuff, it's always usually a chick. And maybe it's, like, you maybe you feel more bad because it's a little girl than a little boy. Even though, like, I think it would feel bad if it was a child being exorcist in general. But, wow, okay. You learn new things every day. Yeah. Okay. Let's hit to the 1970s drum. So, in 1974, Englishman Michael Taylor. Ooh, that's a nice name. A husband and father of five met 21-year-old pastor Marie Robinson. His frequent bouts of depression seemed to ease. In part, Taylor believed it was due to Robinson's ability to exercise demons plaguing him. After Taylor's wife's confronted Taylor about a possible affair with Robinson. Oh, Mrs. Oh, shit. Robinson. Oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. Miss Robinson. The exercising the Ms. demons. Miss Robinson. The squirt squirts. Um, <laughs> he physically attacked her. Oh, that oh, the domestic. This led to an actual exorcism by two ministers that took place on October 5th, 1974. Michael had seizures, spit at and bit the exorcist and screamed in tongues. Wow. Right? We're wow. like, this is what we're gonna do to like cover up my affair. I'm just gonna say I'm plagued by demons. <laughs> The lengths that some people will go to just to cover their dirty asses. Okay. And so the next day, he brutally murdered his wife. Oh, you have to take it there, eh? 
Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. What's going on, bud? Okay. He wasn't convicted. However, because of the defense's argument that the exorcism had made him insane. Wow. That seems rather convenient if you ask me. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have an affair, murder your wife, attack your mistress, and then claim insanity. I'm not saying I don't believe it, but um, it sounds rather sus. It sounds super sus. Because now he gets to chill. I wonder what he's doing now. I don't know. As anybody knows where he's at, like, let us know. Maybe you know him. If you got tabs on Michael Taylor, the Englishman. The Englishman. Let us know. <laughs> let us know. Sounds Ron, like a character from a little, Clue. A little update. The exorcism <laughs> in the library with the candlestick. Yo. <laughs> All right. So in 1976... We are looking at the case of the exorcism of Annalise Michel by Felicitas D. Goodman. This relates a tragic story from Germany. It's also the basis of the 2005 horror film, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. You know what? That's a good movie. It is a good movie. It was one of the first exorcism movies I saw, like, after The Exorcist. I think that's the only exorcism movie I like. And don't come for me, everybody. I'm not a fan of exorcist movies. But I like it when she's speaking in tongues and being like, we are legion and we are many. (laughs) That's a good one. I remember the, like, trailer for that one coming out when I was still in high school and thinking, like, that looks like a cool movie. That's that bitch from Dexter, isn't it? Yes. There you go. Yes. The sister. Yeah. Okay, so. Like Michael Taylor's exorcism, Annalise's story also ended in murder. Only it was Annalise who was murdered. The German woman's demonic possession was actually an undiagnosed brain disorder, possibly epilepsy, schizophrenia, or maybe even both. But being a religious young woman, Annalise welcomed exorcism to help cure her, which I feel like is a common thing. People will, especially if you are part of a very serious religious faith, that it's likely that you were just going to assume that your affliction is the demonic possession or, you know, or the devil. Exactly. Of course. Maybe not so much today. Like people are a bit more (laughs) aware these days, but you know, we're taking a look back in history here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after 67 attempts, Each unsurprisingly unsuccessful, the 23-year-old succumbed to starvation. And thankfully, two of the priests involved in her supposed exorcism were convicted of homicide. Well, that's what you get. Like, I get it. But at the same time, you never know. Like, you see all these things with the Vatican. You're like, do you actually believe in it? Do you not believe in it? Da-da-da-da-da. All these types of things. And you're just like... How are you going to just sit there and watch this happen? But maybe they really believe in it. Right? Whatever. I mean, they're going to sit there and watch a lot of shit happen. Let's be real. Uh, Moving on. Yeah, let's move on to the 90s, (laughs) shall we? (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. Um, So, So, it's not that kind of show. Yeah. In 1990. Yeah, let's do it. Reverend James Labar oversaw three exorcisms all sanctioned by the Archbishop of New York, Cardinal John O'Connor, and the Vatican. One of them, the exorcism of a Florida teenager named Gina, was televised on the ABC network in 1991. Okay. Newsweek 
described the ceremony, which was accompanied by medieval-style music, as quote-unquote, little more than the gratuitous torment of a deeply disturbed young girl. Strapped to a chair, she screamed and barked unintelligibly while the reverend pressed a cross into her face and told her supposed demons that if they wanted pain, he'd give it to them. Okay, daddy, relax. Okay, right? (laughs) Meaning, of course, the helpless Gina. I mean, at the end, it was ultimately antipsychotic drugs that gave Gina any relief, not this priest who was ready to bring the smack down on the demons. (laughs) Ready to give you the stole-cold stunner of Christianity. It kind of feels like that's the perfect occupation for the type of person who doesn't actually have, you know, any real sense of intimidation or power. They're just like, I know who I can exert my power over Mm -hmm. this invisible entity. And no one can tell me that I'm not the most epic exorcist out there. Like... (laughs) It's like being a snake oil salesman for the devil. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So let's get into the millennia, shall we? The Y2K's already happened. I'm probably about 13 years old at this point. It's 2003. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about baby Terrence. And this one, this one's like, like, I get it. Like, they're all sad. But like, this one's like, this one's like, this hurts me. So In 2003, an autistic eight-year-old boy named Terrence Cottrell was killed during a prayer service that was intended to drive out the evil spirits, supposedly causing his condition. Yeah, because autism is caused by the devil. Mm. Ew, God. Yeah. Also gluten, I guess, because that's what people like to say. It's the gluten, it's the devil. That red dye number seven. Right, yeah, that red dye number seven. You're like, don't do it. You're like, oh, I think you need to fucking relax. That's the devil. Let the boy live his life. Just give the child the Kool-Aid and, yes. and calm down. Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was oh, just- yeah. <laughs> the official cause of death is mechanical asphyxia due to external chest compressions. CNN reported. So these people were beating on this child, this eight-year-old. This is no different than like when we were talking about like the serial killers and talking about like stomping the hole in that child. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, yeah, actually yeah. same age. Like stop, stop, stop putting holes yeah. in people. Uh, so this means that Terrence was suffocated. <sighs> and the Reverend Ray Hempfill, who was performing the exorcism, reportedly sat on the boy's chest until he stopped breathing. But good news and bad news. Bad news. Obviously, the child is no longer with us and all those types of things. But the Reverend was convicted of homicide because you can't fucking sit on baby's chests and fucking kill them because that's fucked up. Mm -mm. Good. Yeah, good. Like, get out of here. Like, no, you deserve to go somewhere. You know what? Go straight to hell. There we go. Go straight to hell. Yeah, figure it out. Wow. Figure it out, my guy. So just a couple years later, a Romanian nun named Maritsitsa Irina Cornici was 23 when she began hearing voices. She thought it was the devil talking to her. 
And although she was treated for schizophrenia, she relapsed from her treatment and was then subjected to an exorcism. Of course. She was bound to a cross, gagged with a towel, and left in a dank convent room for three days without food and water. Of course, this led to Cornici dying of suffocation and dehydration, according to CBS's coverage of the case. This is another like really sad one because it's just these snake oil salesmen who are like, oh yeah, I can fix you. I can rid you of this demon. Let me just like shove some cloth in your mouth, tie you up and lock you in a basement. When it's all like all this person needs is some medication. Right. Like really and truly they need some medication. It just goes into like, I don't know if there is a term for it. There has to be. We have so many words in like every language that there has to be like some type of phobia of like mental illness or oh for sure you know what i mean like you know we just had somebody who was like okay like we ain't about the autism we're not about the schizophrenia we're not about any of this stuff and then you're just like yo if you just like be like this is how people are and it's all good because you know in this case it should be like we're all god's children and we were made you know if they're saying like we're made in his image and stuff like that that means that one's made in the image that one and that one and that one and that one and that one so relax it's like those anti-vaxxers who would rather let their child die of smallpox or god knows what other curable disease than let them get a vaccine and then even though we know there's enough evidence to prove out there that vaccines don't lead to autism but they would rather their child have smallpox than autism right and it's like what does that say to people who exist on this earth with autism that like you would rather be dead than be autistic right when there are many functioning individuals out there with varying you know degrees of autism wild it's just like you out here being you that's what i mean i'm just like you should be able to be you however that means and wherever that is but people we've just at this point even in this exorcism episode we've just realized that like everybody's an asshole Everybody's an asshole. There's a whole lot of assholes out there. So we're going to go into the year 2010. And okay, we're going on Christmas Day. So let's let's picture it, everyone. 15-year-old boy, Christy Bamu, was beaten and drowned in a bathtub in London by his sister and her sister's friend in an attempt to exercise evil spirits from the boy. And according to the BBC... Originally from the Republic of Congo, the pair tortured the boy with knives, sticks, metal bars, a hammer, and a chisel. That's a chisel. A chisel? A chisel. chisel. Until he begged to die and the pair were convicted. They They were convicted of the murder. And I think if I'm not mistaken with this one, there's also the fact that like the parents of the boy like went to the degree of making it that like witchcraft and things like that like shouldn't be like done to people like basically just being like kind of like everything that we're saying that like with exorcisms and stuff like these things shouldn't be performed on people like they're they're basically if i'm not mistaken like advocating for like that stuff to like be gone proper medical intervention (laughs) yeah like we shouldn't be having that type of stuff and i'm like all right because like you know exactly no different because like with this one if i'm not mistaken it's like they were more geared into more like the witchcraft aspect and like black magic and da 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 than more into like you know christianity or whatever so it's just like yeah no because like pe- people believe people believe in whatever they want to believe in and they can take it to the extreme 
And it's that that shouldn't be happening because we've varied from different ages, from eight to 15 to 23. Like, you know, like all these people seem to be like young people. Like, obviously, there's definitely older people that are in this, too. But it's just like, fuck off. Like, you should be subjecting people to this because like, what happens when they die? What happens when they die? Do you feel righteous in that? Or do you lose your religion after there that? There is a sense of righteousness in it. I think there is a sense of righteousness in it. It's like, you know, I have I, the power. I, this is a horrible comparison to make, but I've been watching a lot of Supernatural lately. <laughs> and <laughs> you see, I'm sorry, but I, I talk about what you know. And what I know right now is Supernatural. Yeah. And you can see there's a clear progression in the show where they start with exercising demons from people, ex- like expelling demons from people in a way that just like, in a manner that kills the host, like kills the person that is possessed. And then eventually they get to a place where they're able to exercise demons without harming the person. And like, you can see that there's a clear difference between how those exorcisms are performed. Obviously this is fiction, but you know, I think it still speaks to what it is that we're covering in this episode today. It's fascinating to me because this is only everything that we've covered in this episode is just a snippet of cases all around the world where people have misconceptions around what is, you know, I'm not saying that possession isn't real. I believe that it is real. But I think that in a lot of these cases that we just shared with our audience, what was really happening was that these people were plagued with various degrees of mental instability and mental illness. And those just weren't being addressed with any sense of care. Mm -mm. They're like, nope demon out they were like at this point they were like 300 motherfuckers being like this is exorcism kick them into the chest and dash them way into the depths of hell yeah be gone and you're like oh so like that's all we're gonna do they're like well we were trying to save them but like we thought them dying would just be you know be easier just be easier 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 to clean up the mess and you're like, oh my god! How about a how about a tend to life? Damn! I hope that jumpsuit looks good. Well, that's what it was, folks. That's it. We got exorcisms from Germany to England to South Africa to South Africa to Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin, <laughs> from the 1700s up until like I don't know, like 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And this is just a snippet of you know these cases from all around the world. With that, thank you so very much for joining us for another episode of the Ghouls and Gyaldem podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghouls and Gyaldem. That's G-H-O-U-L-Z-N-G-Y-A-L-D-E-M, baby. And let us know what Black horror film you'd like us to review next. For sure. Yes, please. Slide into our DMs. Send us your recommendations, show us some love, and make sure you tell all your friends about us. Yeah, Ghouls and Geldom is a Bone Lace production and is in association with Two Skins Entertainment. Production support was provided by James Carlisle and Andy Dolgan on behalf of Toronto-based Big Bad Audio. Make sure you check them out at bigbad.ca. And our bop of a theme song was recorded by Trombotai. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, 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 bow.